Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll like, never make any money doing that. How are you going to get the mortgage? Just get a job. You're going to try and settle that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? Oh, boy. Were your parents morons too? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We're broadcasting here on WLCB 101.5, based in the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business person or thinking about becoming one, this show is for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The show has two goals, really, to share helpful information and resources. I have made so many mistakes over the course of my career as an entrepreneur, and I've seen lots of mistakes that my clients and friends and colleagues have made. So if I can help just one of you out there not make some of those mistakes, then I've been successful. The second goal of the show is to inspire. I found being an entrepreneur confusing sometimes lonely. You have no idea often if you're on the right track or not, or where to turn for good advice. So to help with that, every week I have guests on the show who are willing to share their stories and advice. And this week's guest is Bree Laughlin. She is the owner and founder of Nurse Disrupted. And she's going to share the story of her journey as an entrepreneur and how she got the idea for this company and has grown it. With that introduction, Bree, welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Doris. I'm looking forward to hearing your story because it's a very interesting and timely one. Tell my listeners a little bit about your business. What is Nurse Disrupted and what does it do? Nurse Disrupted is a health tech company focused on meeting health disparities head on. So we have uh, an all-in-one telehealth solution that was designed for underserved communities who don't have great access to tele- to uh, healthcare. Who is it really for? Is it for rural communities? Is it for poor inner city communities? A mixture of both? It really is. I mean, it's designed for the people who are left behind by technologies or access in different ways. We launched in 2020 really in response to the pandemic. And our first site was a homeless shelter in Dane County. And so the solution was first designed for uh, a shelter that had low budget, volunteer staff, minimal resources, and really low trust with the people who really needed the healthcare at the time. It turns out that story describes a lot of places in America where people need access to healthcare and and don't have great access to it. And, you know, the solution we provide is a telehealth solution, but that is end to end and that it addresses connectivity and trust uh, is, uh, you know, a couple of the components that make it go in these communities that have not been effectively reached by health organizations and traditional healthcare technology. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, and I want to dig a little deeper on some of the points you've made. But talk first a little bit about your background. 
what makes you tick? Why were you the right person to start this business? And, and why this business? Well, I like that question. I've been a nurse for 22 years. I always call myself a tech nerd nurse from the moment I started off in kidney and liver transplant in Seattle, Washington at University of Washington Medical Center. That was in the 90s. And uh, I was proud to be carrying my Palm Pilot because, <laughs> well, it was the 90s. But from the beginning of my nursing practice, technology always felt like it was folded in. And I could see the potential of it to elevate healthcare and practices um, through its use. And so, you know, I was always incorporating technology in my practice. In Seattle, I was also a touring musician. I was an electronic musician who was working with software creatively and exploring the bounds of what technology could do in that way. Very interesting. I did not know that. <laughs> wow, that's quite a combination. So, so then talk about how you came to Wisconsin, I guess, and what led you to the idea to found this? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things people can do who have ideas. They can try to get another group to do the idea. Uh, so talk about you and how you decided you were the right person to do this. Well, let's start with, I know there were two parts of that question, I think. One yeah, is, sorry, I, I have a bad habit of asking multiple questions and people are like, well, which one do you want me to answer first? There's a lot I love there. It. Well, I love the, the what brought me to Wisconsin and then why, why did I start or why am I the right person to start Nurse Disrupted? So coming to Wisconsin, my career continued to evolve. Um, bedside nursing, I'm so proud of that part of my career. Um, but as it turns out, nurses are very well suited for business. You have to have emotional intelligence. You have to be able to sweep the room, make decisions, you know, learn from your mistakes quickly and, and stand back up and keep moving. And so I was recruited actually by a software startup company that had nothing to do with healthcare. I think in 2008, it was called Jobster. And so it was my first adventure into the startup world. They eventually didn't make it, but I made incredible friends. And I met an, a mentor that was really important in my career who brought me over to Hitachi Consulting. Still not healthcare again yet, but working with Microsoft, for instance, and T-Mobile on large organizational strategies and change management projects. So now we're, we're working with this human component of change and big operational strategies. And so each of these stepping stones a bedside nurse with technology, bending technology to do the things that I want it to do. The startup software world, then the consulting world with these big organizations working on strategic design and changing the hearts and minds of humans so that they'll use the software in the end. So it seems sporadic, but it really is kind of laying this path that brought me then to um, moving to Northern California and joining Sutter Health, back to healthcare. But I joined a cardiology practice that really did not want to adopt their EHR called Epic. Well, I got <laughs> all this change management work, um, you know, really believed in, in, you know, the smart design and utilization of, of software, being able to elevate our practice and, and pretty experienced in working with surgeons and cardiologists who maybe don't want to change. And so I started with that work and that was successful. And I enjoyed it a lot. I felt like it was exactly the right space with my clinical background. And I was still seeing patients at the time, uh, but also the, the whole software piece and 
um, adoption and workflow design were all falling into place at that time. And I thought, boy, I should reach out to that company. And I did. And I shortly got a phone call from a man named Berntan, who was one of Judy Faulkner's staffers. So we all, uh, Wisconsinites know Judy Faulkner is the CEO of Epic, the software company, not the Fortnite gaming company. Oh, that was in 2012. And I was recruited to join the clinical informatics team at Epic. So a little bit different than the traditional hiring structure. I was a nurse executive hire. I worked with the sales team, but I also uh, did product management. And so here's another step stone that fell into place where I was managing products and working with healthcare organization strategy in the best use of these products, also working with the development teams on the design to solve problems and meet the health organizations. Yeah. I I begin to see why you're a natural entrepreneur. You just, you can't stay down on the farm, Bree. you know? (laughs) You, I mean, I say that uh, that's a funny Midwestern expression, but you're the kind of person who just wants to keep growing and pushing the boundaries and looking at things from different perspectives. And I think, that's what makes a lot of successful entrepreneurs. Oh, I'm glad you say that. Yeah, I'm not a toe dipper. I kind of jump in um, and I like it. <laughs> I, I enjoyed, I've enjoyed this journey. So then, then it brings us to the part of the story, the second part of the question that you asked, which is why am I the right person to start and to lead Nurse Disrupted? And so that part of the story comes into play March 23rd of 2020 in working with a homeless shelter in Dane County. Now I was just pitching in with my daughter. Our spring break had been canceled because of the pandemic going back to Seattle. Um, We have pitched in for people who are experiencing homelessness for years together. Um, We met Carla Tennis, who is this incredible leader who is executive director of Porchlight. We found out that there was a gap in the healthcare resources that they had really to meet the pandemic and to protect people who are seeking shelter at Porchlight. And in looking at what they had, the stated provision to trailer, they had a, a great volunteer staff, but they weren't a clinical staff and, you know, shoestring budget. And I was like, well, this is, I know how to help here and create a telehealth solution. And with my background, I knew a few things. I knew it just had to work. There wasn't time for training. It was a rotating staff. Um, People are wearing so many hats and and doing just so many things to make it work um, under those circumstances. And I'm like, it just has to be simple and and ready to go. In the same breath, I had an elected position on the Wisconsin Nurses Association. We had a COVID-19 response meeting um, that March 23rd. And one of the other members was an associate dean of Marion University School of Nursing. And she was facing her nurse practitioner students not graduating because as a clinician, you need to have what's called practicum hours. So hours where you're engaging with patients, graduate. And here we are needing nurses so badly, right. but the in-person sites shut down. One nurse practitioner students, I think she was nine hours away from graduating. And Kim said, well, can you do something about that? And so this is where it came together then on March 25th, the technology, the original technology was donated by Epic. I was still working at Epic at the time. Um, wow. The nurse volunteers. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> the nurse volunteers were friends and family. Um, an incredible woman, Lauren Jersnack, already was in person, a nurse, a Unity Point nurse, 
um, who's devoted to our homeless shelters. Um, she had been there in person. She started as our telehealth nurse, as well as my godmother, who was in Bend, Oregon, who came out of retirement from nursing to start. And then we had the Marion University students, who then continued to be the original clinicians. We've since helped six schools of nursing in Wisconsin graduate over 300 nurses through the telehealth program at homeless shelters. We've expanded from Porchlight to the Salvation Army Women's Emergency Shelter and the Salvation Army Family Shelter and made 36,000 connections there, saving Dane County almost $2 million in avoidable wow. EV visits. Wow, wow, wow. Good for you. That is incredible. Well, so what kind of telehealth services are provided? How do you match the need of what the community, these communities in need actually need with providers who can provide it? Well, again, I'm asking a multiple question, so shame on me. I, I got my brain is just bouncing all over the place. First, what kind of telehealth services do you provide? Oh. Some people think, oh, you know, mental health counseling, a lot of telehealth, but it's probably more than that, or it could be. Well, we don't, we're not a staffing company. So in our origin story, we were the ones who are training the student nurses. I bounced up a quick documentation system, a scheduling system, <laughs> you know, just, just created everything really quickly. And then, you know, we have done the management of the nursing students. Now that is retiring. That part of our company is retiring in May. And uh, the part of Nurse Disrupted that emerged where we filled the greatest need was being that conduit in the community. And what we're doing is a brand new style of telehealth. And, and it's a community-based style of telehealth where we provide the setup, the hardware, the software. We designed a, a provider-facing application as well as community-facing application. And we do the technical services. So the, the units actually arrived fully configured and ready to go for our customer sites. All of the training is done and, and the feeding and the nurturing of the system. We also do a lot of training and work with, we're talking now to healthcare organizations and we're fitting into their population health strategy. So for non-clinical people, population health is a type of healthcare strategy and design that looks at communities or subsections of patients um, and you see them as a whole and you work to address, you know, disparities or need on, on this more community, you know, 5,000 foot level view lens. Gotcha. I explain that well. So let me answer the simplest thing first. What we do today is, and if you go to our website, you see this animation of an airdrop of a telehealth solution going into a community center. What I learned from homeless shelters, well, really back, you know, on to the beginning of my career is that the adoption of a technology, like the difference between a technology winding up in a drawer and being beloved and embraced by whoever it is that needs to use it is that the value of the technology outweighs the barrier to use it. And yep, when you're that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Okay. In a community, 
location. Barriers are high. <laughs> you have people who have low tech literacy rates. The hours that they're able to engage in healthcare, this isn't nine to five. They'll get off their, their hourly job at 6.30 p.m. without the opportunity to take a long lunch break to go see a physician. There's yeah. not a broadband connection. I mean, these are folks that really, and also don't have a lot of reason to trust technology, healthcare technology. Right. And, and a lot of them may not have much in the way of health insurance, if anything. So every time they go see a doctor, it costs them a lot of money that they may or may not have. Yeah, copays are tough. But it, you know, as difficult as the total expense is the accessibility. So even if you do have Medicaid, and technically you have a primary care provider, if you can't go in during office hours, you wind up on at the door of the emergency department. That is your access. It's your 24-7 access. That is the least optimal, but the most available to people who really need help. Right. And so what we're talking about, what we're doing is 24-7 access. Now, we have established a partnership with Conduit Health Partners. And this is a company that's a subsidiary of a large health system called Bonds for Mercy Health. And they do nurse triage, which I love this partnership, being a nurse and knowing that nurse triage is, uh, you know, typically a 15 minute engagement. It can cover 700 care concerns that any patient might have. 63% of the time that someone would go to an emergency department can actually be handled by a nurse applying the evidence-based protocols that, that are nurse triage. The style of telehealth is that the kiosk is not in a clinic room behind a closed door with an appointment, that people approach the kiosk and tap. I've told this joke a million times, but the original design that I souped up for March 25th had four buttons. And boy, did I think I was clever. But I'm telling you, it was three buttons too many. The interface that was accepted and usable and, and is true for the community side today is a one-touch interface. Makes it simple for people to engage with the kiosk. The kiosk is de-identified. So there is no login. Someone can have a truly anonymous interaction with a healthcare provider. No information from your phone passing through. If people don't feel comfortable identifying themselves, that's perfectly fine. If they do, our conduit nurses do have um, Epic and an integrated record. So, you know, people can come with their care concerns after hours. You know, when we started off with COVID-19 screening, I, I was one of the nurses and we had to be very specific in our scope of practice where it was only COVID-19 response. And it was so hard. I've got to tell you, you know, at the family shelter, when we have a, a new mama who had a, you know, something like a, a baby roll off the bed and she just wanted to know, that it was okay, that she didn't need to go to the emergency department. You know, those are the types of things now with the expanded nursing services that we can help, you know, families and patients with 24-7. So it doesn't have to be nurse triage services with healthcare organizations. They provide the care providers or they can use our partner, Conduit Health Partners. And that's where we're expanding now from COVID-19 response to expanded nurse triage services. And then also the opportunity with health systems for them to get their specialty providers into community locations. So we have homeless shelters. There's a specialized community center in Milwaukee. Milwaukee is the fifth poorest neighborhood in the U.S. 
They have a very progressive, forward-thinking executive director, Art Cerna. I might have gotten his title wrong, but he he is um, the person who is at, at the head of the helm for City on a Hill. And he reached out to us, and we're now going live in a specialized community site in Milwaukee in three different locations. So again, now it's not homeless shelters. It's just a community. It's a community that has some of the worst health outcomes and the worst racial disparities in the U.S., and and here we're expanding their access to healthcare that's not, you know, the emergency department, the bills that come with it, you know, and the hours of waiting. It alleviates the pressure on our health systems too. We're in a nursing shortage. Every person who comes into the ED that doesn't need to be there is putting pressure on the health systems in these difficult times. And so, you know, now we're expanding to communities to help get care diffused from the emergency department out into the trusted community sites that people really depend on. Originally, it sounds like you went out to these different shelters and community settings to say, look, we have a service available for you. Here's how, if you're interested, here's how we can help your population I'm thinking, though, that at some point, and maybe this is, you've already reached the tipping point, some of these organizations are going to be reaching out to you. Yeah, I agree that we're getting there. And we're getting a lot of excitement at the promise of this style of telehealth. And so now the next page of the story is the conversations that we're having with health systems, right? That that we continue to work with homeless shelters. We're having conversations now with systems across the U.S. Like you said, you know, the, the phone calls are coming in <laughs> instead of, um, you know, the first shelters we expanded to, you know, the Dane County community was coming together. We, we were having meetings with the Department of Health. And so, um, you know, the, the two other Dane County shelters, the, the Salvation Army shelters, you know, they went live within the month because we were all working together right. on how we could help alleviate pressure on our emergency departments. Also, there's a hotel respite program for people who don't have homes to quarantine. And, and how are we going to make sure that wasn't overutilized? So the, the Dane County expansion was, you know, a natural step because we were all working closely together. But now people are learning about us. The press has been great you know, being on your show is fantastic. We've also had news outlets like U.S. News and World Report, you know, feature us and and Johnson & Johnson celebrate us as well and, and to let the world know. But the next step is helping health organizations accept this new model of telehealth, this more self-service, community-based access to healthcare. And, and people are getting excited about it. We're also I am sure they are. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, the potential is so great. I'm sitting here thinking, though, I could see a point at which if the growth of the company isn't managed carefully, you you could be inundated at some point because the need is so great, you know? The need is great and the economics are great. And I think I there, there's two things. I, I want to talk about the growth point that you brought up. But first, I do... A lot of educating. And for the other entrepreneurs, when I was looking for, we closed our seed round in December. And one of the challenges that I had in talking to people about our origin story is that as soon as I say homeless shelter, a lot of people shut down. They're like, there's no money in homeless shelters here. You don't have 
the money by definition. Right. Absolutely. But this is a nonprofit, right? Does it, they probably think this just should be a nonprofit. Right. Exactly. And, and Nurse Disrupted is for profit. But the economics for health systems work out. So the health systems are putting huge dollars between their population health strategy. They are devoted to addressing health disparities. And we are that part of the population health strategy that's proven. Like their arms and legs of a way to actually access it and deliver something that's valuable. Right. But we have to help people understand that there's a reason why 50% of their patients haven't been able to log on to their mHealth app. It's more of the same thing is not going to create change. And so we're really... Um, we're expert in these communities and we're working with health systems to pivot to the new model of telehealth. We talk a lot about privacy and regulation, truly what the role, what the HIPAA rule does and does not cover. Um, and the acceptance of people in having a more, you know, kind of common community space where they can more conveniently engage in their healthcare. People want it. And the HIPAA rule doesn't say you can't do it. Now you have to be meeting the requirements of the rule, but this style of telehealth is absolutely wanted, well, you know, well adopted with our communities and can be compliant with those, you know, regulations. Now growth, we have a fantastic lead investor in Mark, Mark Bakken. So he is principal of HealthX Ventures. We're not a HealthX company, but Mark has been so generous with his time and expertise. Um, we are fully Wisconsin funded and of our groups, there's also WIP. And we have a mentor from WIP. Tell, tell people what WIP is. Not everybody investment will know. Partners. Yeah, it's a group of investors, right, that come together as a follow-on investor in, in different companies. So Wisconsin-based you, companies specifically, I yes. think, right? Yeah, correct. Yep. And so we're proud to be fully Wisconsin funded. So what WIP also did is Bob Wood is well known in the Wisconsin investment community, very experienced and has been a mentor for me and for Nurse Disrupted as well. And so having people who know what it takes that are in your court, that are helping you push things forward, that includes scalability, connecting you to the people who can help you make it. You know, Mark and Bob have been absolutely crucial in helping me and the company navigate these steps as such an early company. Wow. That's amazing. You've got a lot of different customers, it strikes me, from your business model. You've got your ultimate people who need healthcare system, their kind of customers. You've got homeless shelters that are kind of your customers, too. And you've got these health systems who are your customers, and you may have more. Yeah, that's that's right. And people do ask a lot, you know, who is it that you're selling to? And it does come in the form of, you know, originally the shelters had emergency health care grant funds that allowed them to invest in health services. Now, we have since launched a crowdfunding arm for our shelters. And so if you go to our website, nursedisrupted.com, you see where you can donate a telehealth visitor to, to one of the shelters or City on a Hill, the specialized community center, will continue to try and spread the word on the crowdfunding piece. But the shelters themselves are customers. Systems 
um, working with them on getting into those neighborhoods that they have not made great inroads into. Those are the conversations um, that we're having. An adjacent conversation with the health systems is using telehealth as a nurse retention strategy. So talk about that. That's interesting because obviously, you know, we've read a lot in the news, all of us, I think, about the uh, tremendous nursing shortage, not just in Wisconsin, but almost everywhere. Yeah. What's amazing is that the telehealth companies like Conduit, um, they have more applicants than they they have physicians. <laughs> There's It's very attractive for nurses. The acute care floors, you know, we're very proud, but I do describe, sometimes I describe an example of a shift that I had when I was in kidney and liver transplant. Um, I'm so proud of the work that I was doing, but you can imagine you have four patients that are post-surgical. You know, at times you have people who are even, you know, bariatric patients. And so um, you can't see me, I'm 5'4", 140 pounds. Um, and I would have patients that would be 300 pounds and you don't have someone to help you, but you need to help them. You need to turn them, clean them, get their IVs set. So nursing is this incredible combination when you're in acute care setting of science, pharmacology, psychology, and physical bodybuilding <laughs> and bodybuilding and physical labor, right? A lot of nurses wind up injured. And I remember this one night when I was working with a family and gosh, I had been working with them for a long time. When we say you're working with the family, you have the patient that you've been caring for, but also their spouse and their kids. And I had this patient go critically wrong and was transferred to the ICU and didn't make it. And his family was beside themselves. And I cared for this person. You're allowed to care for people as a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. But I had three more patients who needed me. So it's not that as a nurse, you get the moment to like, hey, I need a moment. I need a break. I need the time. You have three more people who need you just as badly. Right. Right. And so it's physical and, and emotional. You be proud and it's an incredible profession. Yep. And what I'm proposing is that for your rock star nurses, offer them. So most health organizations know this at the same time. Um, most, if not all healthcare organizations have nurse call unit. And I, if you could see me, I'd be holding up air quotes because it, it is a nurse call center. Now, nurses are applying to be part of these call centers in droves, but they're burning out from the acute care setting. We need to keep our nurses inspired in the acute care setting. And so what I've been telling healthcare organizations is give your top performers two telehealth shifts in your call unit. You've got this model where you have to have the call units. We're talking about expanding it putting the care stations. I've been talking a lot about community centers. I'm working with health organizations and putting the, the care stations right outside the emergency department mm -hmm. and using their nurse triage arm to engage or at least have an opportunity for the patients to engage that aren't truly emergent to get nurse triage. And yeah. that's provided by the telehealth unit or the nurse right now, the, the call center that's part of a hospital that's manned by nurses. And so there's been surveys that have been published recently that if a nurse was offered a telehealth shift, that that would be something that would keep them in the profession. So you don't have to say you can either be in acute care or in this call center unit. All of them are part of the organizational structure of a health organization. But say right. you can have two, two shifts 
to give your body a rest, you know, to just well, or you know, but to, but to, to know you're helping, but help in a different way, right? With, and then with different stressors, which you know, it's kind of like a you know, an exercise regimen. If you're running, training hard for marathons every day, your body breaks down. But if you mix the training up, it you end up stronger and can ha- hang on longer and have better endurance and. <laughs> better mindset, less injuries, you know? Yeah, agreed. And then it's, I think you were touching on this, the nurses, for instance, from conduit have expressed the way that it makes them feel to know that they are going to be working with people at shelters. It's gratifying, you know, not that being on the floors isn't gratifying, but sometimes you're just at that point, but the opportunity to work with the community and, you know, we don't join nursing. I got to say the, the nursing profession is great, but it doesn't have the promise of the big paycheck or a lot of prestige. You know, I, I talk about, you know, I was a biology major. I was a very competitive University of Washington School of Nursing was the number one school of nursing in the U.S. at the time. You know, I, I got in there. I also loved computer science. I chose between the two. I chose nursing and I did it because I wanted to work with human beings directly and feel like I was making a direct impact on people. And that's, that's where a lot of nurses come from, not all, but that being able to have a physical respite and also that gratifying breath at the same time to just, you know, re-inspire us as to why we got into nursing in the first place. And so I, I think that people are excited about this nurse retention strategy, as well as the community expansion of telehealth with nurse triage protocols. Well, Bree, you've got to have a couple of stories or two, maybe on a no-name basis, of how your service, I mean, we've kind of talked about this at a theoretical level, but you're touching lots of real people every day. Share a story or two about how your service has made a difference with with people on the ground, any one of your customer groups. Yeah, I think... When I when I think of the early days and and we started incorporating a lot of compassion training with technology, which is part of our system today. When we have this airdrop system, part of our training too with our providers is how to make it feel like a very human interaction, even though you're using telehealth technology. Mm-hmm. And you know that came in in each day when I was you know, the nurse on the other end of the telehealth unit. And the people who came up to me were frightened. I I don't know how, and this is something that I couldn't have gotten on the phone. Um, People have a lot of ideas about people who don't have homes. I've heard, you know, especially with the hotel program, People would say, Brie, they're going to try and game the system. They're going to try and just get into the hotel instead of be in the shelter. And I'll tell you, not a single human being that got in front of me to screen was gaming the system. They were terrified to admit that something was wrong with their body. And telehealth is amazing in two ways that I could feel and look and see the fear, but I could look into the camera, which is interesting with telehealth, right? If you and I are looking in Zoom and we're actually seeing each other, it looks like we're not looking at each other at all. Right. But when you look into the camera, it feels like the person on the other side is looking directly into your eyes and you could see 
the trust and the connection. We did a survey and I'm really, really proud of this. Um, the original grant for um, Porchlight was through the WPP um, program. And we did a survey of the experience of the sheltered guests and 96% of them felt respected and compassion. And, and you know, it's just the, the worst day, year, <laughs> moment of their life. Right. And they had really positive responses in their, in their experience. Um, and I, I talked to people about that, but it's, it's also part of how we train any provider who uses our, our app. Um, is just, you know, that that simple piece of compassion and humanity and kind of the tricks of a, a few tricks with your technology. The other thing that I really love, and I, I wish I'd pulled up the quote, is that many of our nursing students, and we learned this with the first cohort, never had engaged with people who don't have homes in shelters. It was their very first time. Wow. And they wrote reflections on what it was like. You know, they also had that opportunity because it was a telehealth opportunity. They were an hour and a half away. There was a physical distance, you know, but it wasn't a space that, that they had thought of being in. And their experience was just compassionate. And, you know, so many people appreciated the new contact um, and exposure and opportunity to work with people that had a very different social uh, and economic ecosystem than than what they were in and so to see these reflections and the provider impact um was pretty awesome so yeah i can i can only imagine well so right now you are really wisconsin based and um it's sad to say even though wisconsin is not among the poorest of our states in in the united states i'm sure the need is 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 enormous the unmet need but um, where's the company headed in terms of growth? Is your focus really just on expanding in Wisconsin? I mean, your model obviously could scale probably um, with the right structure to be in almost any state. Although I guess you've got some restrictions in terms of nurses who are licensed in one state who have to, I, I don't know. Do I, I, I'm not sure how that all works. Talk about that. Yep. So we are in conversations from Maine to Florida. And wow. the design is so that the system can be maintained remotely. So for instance, the, the design of the system, you know, every piece was important to me that it had to be lightweight in nature so that we could, you know, service and troubleshoot from afar. Any piece breaks that we can overnight it because of the, the lightweight nature, also the ability for, you know, the, the entire system to, you know, be, you know, mobile and lightweight, but it has a lot to do with technical services. If I had a, a heavier system that we would need more on-site resources for servicing versus really being able to do this through shipping and, and right. from afar. And so... Right. Yeah, we are in conversations everywhere um, in the U.S. And then the the second part of it, Doris, help me. It was a two part question, and the other. Part well, was I was just it. curious how the fact that I think nurses are like a, oh. like a lot of professions are licensed by a state. So yeah, nurses are very. Thank you for that. This is an important point. 
there's two models of what we do. Use your own nurses or use the conduit health partner nurses that we have. Um, or you don't have to use nurses at all. You can use your therapist, your cardiologist, whatever specialty you're trying to get into a particular high risk area or underserved area. Mm-hmm. We don't say you have to use nurses. It just so happens that nurse triage service is where we're expanding. And it's with our, you know, the nurses of our health organization, or they can use the conduit nurses. Now, nursing practice and the way that we're regulated across state lines is different than prescribing provider practice, physicians, NPs, and the like. Oh. It's this concept of compact states. And so that's a multi-state agreement so that if I have a license in Wisconsin, that I can practice anywhere across the compact states. Oh, boy. That, that makes telehealth so much easier than trying to have physician practices or a lot of, I I think, I think personally, this whole notion of state licensing for a lot of professions is going to have to get rethought in a lot of ways. Uh, But it's good that nursing is more flexible than, than many. Yeah, it helps. It's the compact states cover about half the country. And then in, in the other half of the country, then you you have, for instance, California is a great example. You have to have a California state license. Our nursing partner is licensed in all the states. So the, com- the compact <laughs> licensure helps. You get this big swath of, you know, 25 states where it's fine, you know, and then they've had to staff to the additional locations that they provide care. Uh-huh. So that's how we're a little bit different than prescribing providers. We can have... A, a further reach and, and also because conduit that's that's what they do so your opportunities for growth are really tremendous and you mentioned funding and pitching and that you found investors what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs based on what you learned through the the pitch process and finding funding for nurse disrupted yeah never stop you're, you know, um, just grit and resilience. Um, two things that made a difference for Nurse Disrupted was the Wisconsin Governor's Business Plan Contest was a fantastic contest. It gave us tremendous exposure. I think, I think all of the investors that wound up being part of this round um, had heard me pitch at that particular contest. Now it took more. <laughs> it took a lot more beyond that, but that initial engagement was a big deal for us. The second thing is um, I found a great accelerator. It was the HealthSpark Accelerator. It was out of Traverse City, Michigan. It was specifically about health tech companies in the Midwest. So, I mean, it was very focused on healthcare technologies um, and Midwest-based companies. And, you know, they were fantastic putting together speakers that could help with what to expect. I know when you were talking, you know, in the introduction of your show, how, you know, kind of lonely and isolating it can be to start a business as an entrepreneur and and an accelerator, or at least the one that I was part of, with the speakers and the pitch coaching, the constant pitching, putting you in uncomfortable situations, giving you hard feedback. That I I think that kind of like a, like a a toned down shark tank, it sounds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the feedback's key. You know, I mean, I, I absolutely had soul crushing feedback, but I wrote it down, you know, and, and really, you know, took, 
took what I could from the feedback. Now it's not always, it's not always right, <laughs> but it's darn good. And it's coming from people who are expert who've been at it. Um, and so, you know, some of the most soul crushing feedback was some of the best feedback and just the, the consistent, I had the advice and the mentorship, the right time to keep going. There are terrifying, terrifying moments. You know, I mean, I put all of my, my, uh, retirement and savings into the company. I personally invested in nurse disrupted first. It was me putting the money there. And wow. say, this is a care delivery model that will change the way we get into our underserved communities, you know, and I stood by it. And I have a great daughter who's 10 years old and a fantastic husband who just have stood behind me every step of the way. So having a great support network is is really important, it sounds like. Are, are there other resources that you would recommend or that you found were particularly helpful? And, you know, overall, what advice would you give to help entrepreneurs find those resources and build that network? Yeah, I mean, there's local, like out here, there's like Generator, there's the Wisconsin Technology Council. You know, I I think every state has their entrepreneur community. Go find it. You don't have to be alone. There are people who have been through it. Um, where you can, you know, what you don't know, you need to learn, you need to learn fast. You know, it, it's not a method. And this is the coaching that I have. And the reality that I've come by is that you don't get it all. You, you hardly get anything right in the beginning. You Are you learning? Are you learning fast? Are you going out there and engaging with the community? And, and honestly, the people relationships, the importance of being hungry and meeting and connecting with people in business, people who are in the VC community, other entrepreneurs, you know, being humble, but also really being committed to connecting. And it's so hard because you're doing everything all the time, right? And you're answering. Oh, things. There's, you're not, there's not enough hours in the day and, and there's, like, there's no. not enough money and there's not enough brain power. I, I mean, it's just, you know, it's all about um, really being smart about the, the limited, limited resources that you have, all the different resources. Yeah. I think another thing is I, I have a great lawyer that is, this is what he does. You know, he actually was a dear friend of mine for years before I ever thought I'd start a company. And so I had started Nurse Disrupted, not, you know, other people sit in a room, they're like, I have this idea and I want to incubate it. And, and then they pull the trigger. But for me, I was doing the telehealth and in homeless shelters and then decided to leave Epic. My nice, cushy (laughs) executive job, you know, but they stood behind me. They were supportive. And I felt so strongly that this was a transformational healthcare thing that I was exactly positioned to do that I have never looked back. Uh The, um, The other thing is venture deals, be smarter than your lawyer and venture capitalist. It's a book. <laughs> that's pretty hard. But yeah, some lawyers are not very good, so I guess that's not a, a big bar, depending on. But but a lot of lawyers I know are pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. But that the Bradfeld book and Bradfeld and Jason Mendelson. I mean, I was like, what am I doing? Like, okay, I need to understand what a convertible note is. I need to understand the yeah. seat round is. Like, how is it that I'm doing this so that I don't get myself back into a corner, and that you know. I, you know, I also, as a female entrepreneur, it, it's, I get two, you know, female entrepreneurs get 2.3% of all the venture capital money. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's insane. You know, 
And so it's, you know, it, it's like, okay, I, I've got to hit this and I've got to personally understand. And that book helped me with the just fundamentals of, you know, startup VC world pitfalls. I, and so, you know, not to, not to pitch the book, it'd be great if Brad and Jason knew who I was, but it helped me a, a ton um, understand the world that I needed to get into in order to make Nurse Disrupted go. Wow. So very cool. Well, we're almost out of time. I, the hour has just absolutely flown by. I, I've got like 5 million more questions to ask you, but um, sadly, uh, the show format is it's an hour and they really won't let me go further than that. So um, before I let you go, I want to make sure you have a chance to let the listeners know how to reach you if they want to brainstorm or they want to be part of Nurse Disrupted or, um, you know, just want to know more and want to want to engage with, with you and your company. What's the best way for them to do that? There's a bunch of ways. Our website, nursedisrupted.com. Uh, I actually read all the stuff that comes to the contact page. There's also the donate page. Don't forget, if you want to donate a telehealth visit to a community that really needs it, please do it, nursedisrupted.com. The hardest thing of getting hold of me is knowing how to spell my name. It sounds like the cheese, but it's only three letters, B-R-E at nursedisrupted.com. And that's my email address. You can find me on LinkedIn. Very easy to get a hold of. Um, And I, I welcome it. I have just valued my connections and um those are the easiest ways to directly get a hold of me well thank you so much for your time today i it's just been so inspiring honestly to listen to how you've taken the pieces of your life and pulled them together in a way that is making a, a truly a tangible difference so it's it's really been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show today Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for for having me. And and thank you so much for letting the world know about Nurse Disrupted. It's my pleasure and it's an honor. So thank you to all my listeners. I'm, I'm glad you're out there. It's the reason I do this. You can find more helpful information and resources for small businesses and entrepreneurs on my consulting website, which is globalocityservicesplural.com. And I have a new radio website uh, dedicated to the show itself called thesavvyentrepreneur.org. And you will find on both sites, increasingly on my new radio show site, uh, you know, things like blogs, tools, podcasts, and other free resources for entrepreneurs. And I'll be populating that as, um, you know, as the weeks go by. My door is always open for comments and questions, suggestions, just to shoot the breeze. Email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. You'll always get a response back from me. Now, be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.